This is Sunday morning worship service here at the Mount Little Pentecost Wednesday Church, April the 16th, 2023, part one of Victory Over Temptation, brought to you by our senior pastor, Reverend Farrell Hardison. Here's the praise team and the final Little Pentecost Wednesday Church Choir. Blessed be the name of the Lord.
seated while the choir goes to their places. And you know, y'all, brother, Tom, uh, brother uh, Max said a while ago that uh, seven o'clock is early. We had to be here at six fifteen last Sunday morning for sunrise service. So that took a lot of getting up. And, you know, we, we, us that, that that came, we had to get pretty. Yeah, I know, y'all laughing. <laughs> it does, especially when you get my age.
It's gonna be a good day, I can feel it coming on. All my darkest nights have come and gone. I might just break out laughing, I might just sing a song. It's gonna be a good day, I can feel it coming on. It's gonna be a good day. By how I felt inside, the sun was here to stay. Someone up in heaven must be smiling down on me, cause I felt so excited from my head down to my feet. I'm looking for the future, I know God is in control. I'm looking to enjoy this ride, I think I'm on a roll. and possibilities dreams that I've been dreaming he has made reality I've made a resolution that I'll dwell here on the good and he'll send down a blessing just like he said he would when I look down this tunnel I can finally see the light I've got a funny feeling everything will be alright it's gonna be a good day the church this morning.
All right. I hear some extra stuff going on with that piano today, and I like it. Well, I'm trying to stay employed. I like it. Well, <laughs> that's going to help you. <laughs> Tell me about that drummer. I believe I recognize uh, yeah. them two hoodlums. I mean, them two young men when they came in this morning. <laughs> yeah, his name is Nick Sorry. Nick, and, God bless uh, you on the drums, buddy. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. His brother Will is his bodyguard. He's accompanying him today. And we appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you guys. Our bass player, man, I'm telling you, something over there sounding good, brother. I'm telling you. Thank the Lord. We're blessed in our music, aren't we? We really are. Choir, choir director is a whole other story, but we're blessed in our music. Amen. Got to keep him humble. Thank you all for being here today. We appreciate it so much. And this is a time in our service, of course, that uh, we worship the Lord by giving back a tiny little bit of all he's blessed us with. Isn't that true? Isn't it true? And we just thank you for all that you do. I was looking at the offering uh, in the bulletin uh, this past Sunday, and y'all did a real good job. And I want you to try to top it today. All right? <laughs> I do appreciate y'all so much. And we just pray, Father, that you will put your hand on whatever we receive today. God, that you will speak to the hearts of the people. And God, that you will bless and multiply what they give today, that we might do great things for your kingdom in this community. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place, and I know that it's the spirit of the sweet expressions on each face and I know they feel the presence of the Doubt will know that we have been. 
been revived when we shall leave this place without a doubt we'll know that we have been revived when we Thomas, if you'll plug in right at the very beginning of a worship service, you can get revived before the preacher even gets up here. And I've noticed some of y'all got plugged in right at the very beginning, and uh, I'm just like the rest of you. Sometimes it takes me a while to get plugged in, but I put on Facebook this morning, if you want to have a great service at your church today, start worshiping right now. And it was 7.30 when I put that on there. And it's the truth. If you will go ahead on Sunday morning and begin to sing and praise the Lord. And some of you, when you sing, you need to be in your house. With the door shut and the window. But see, the Lord, we don't have the ability to do it. But the Lord can take whatever sound you make and make it beautiful to himself. And uh, I see somebody back there, thank God, he can, he can do that. Um, but worship the Lord. Don't, don't wait till you get to church. Don't wait till you get to church. It's, it's like that old pump. We used to have to prime it, you know, to get something out of it. You had to put something in it. Isn't that the truth? Y'all remember that? Some of y'all acting like you ain't old. I'm looking right at you. I know you're old. And you have to put water in that pump just a little, isn't it something? Just a little bit. Just a little bit of water, and then if you, when you get, when you prime it, and you get that other water coming back up out of it, uh, if you just keep priming that pump, it'll just keep right on flowing. Isn't that something? Put a little bit in, and get so much back from it. That's how worship service is. Little boy went to church one time with his daddy. Daddy was the preacher, and uh, they took up the offering. His daddy put a nickel in the plate. When they on the way home, the preacher always got whatever the offering was. It was back in the day. Things were difficult back in the uh, Depression and all that. And on the way back home, the man uh, looked at what they gave him. It was the nickel. He just got the nickel. And uh, he said to the little boy, he said, look at that now. He said, there's all I got. He said, and I want to tell you, I put that in, and that's all I got. He said, well, granddaddy or daddy said, if you'd have put more in it, you'd have got more out of it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so we're going to talk about temptation today. How many of you have ever been tempted? Anybody in here? And some didn't raise their hand, and now you uh, were tempted to lie, and you gave in to it. And so we need you to come on up here to the altar at the end of the service and get straightened out. You know how I know you've been tempted? Because my Lord was tempted. The Bible says, and I got to tell you, this is hard for me to imagine, but it's in the Bible. It says, Jesus, the Son of Man, we know he was the Son of God, 
But Jesus was also the Son of Man. And the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all points. That's beyond, I'm telling you, I've thought on this this whole week. He's tempted in all points, like as we are. Isn't that something? There's nothing you've ever gone through. There's no temptation you've ever felt. There's no battle with the flesh you've ever felt that Jesus didn't feel that same battle. He was tempted in all points like as we are. Temptation is a powerful thing. Matter of fact, I'll tell you, it's the biggest problem of the believer. It's the biggest problem we have. Let's face it. We get up in the morning. Throughout the day, temptations come, don't they? They just come and they go throughout the day and they can even come when you're by yourself in your house. Temptations can come uh, when the phone starts ringing. You get in the car, you're out on the road. If you're like me, I'm a very, very calm driver. (laughs) Pastor Brian just laughed because he rode with me to this wing. He knows that ain't right. (laughs) One time while he was riding with me, he said, whoa, whoa. Whoa, Pastor. (laughs) And some guy had my driveway blocked and I didn't like it. And uh, I gave in to that temptation, didn't I, Brian? I did. And uh, Brian said, wow. And uh, so so, uh, we, we all face temptations. And and uh, they happen, They I don't know about you all, but sometimes I'm surprised by temptation. Have you ever, have you ever uh, felt like you had one licked and you thought, well, I think I've got that one. I don't think I'll ever have that temptation again. And then it raises this ugly head right back up. You go, to be sure. I'm not still dealing with that. Man, y'all look so holy while I'm up here just admitting all this stuff in front of you. I heard a story about a a man and his wife who just made a pact with one another. And they said, look, we're, we're having financial trouble. We're having financial difficulty. And so I tell you what, let's do. Um unless we're buying groceries or something like that, if we're going to spend over $25 uh, on something we hadn't really planned, if we're going to spend over $25, let's touch base with each other by phone. And uh, he come home one day, and uh, his wife was teary-eyed. He could tell she was teary-eyed. And and, uh, she just met him at the door, and she said, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And he said, what in the world? So he went on back to the bedroom, and there was a brand-new dress laying on the, on the bed. Tag was still on it. He looked at the tag, and it said, uh, I don't know what y'all pay, pay for clothes, but this would be a lot for me and Millie. And it said $175. And uh, he said, what in the world? What in the world? And she said, uh, she said, the devil. She said, the devil got on me. She said, I was just going to try it on. I just want, it was so pretty. Don't you think he's pretty? Yes, honey, I think he's pretty. It ought to be $175. It ought to be pretty. It ought to get up and cook me breakfast in the morning. (laughs) And uh, he said, he said, uh, yes, it's pretty. She said, uh, and I put it on. And she said, I could not get over how good it looked on me. It looked like it had been made for me. 
And he said, well, you say the devil? Oh, yeah, I heard him. She said, I heard him in my ear. And he said, well, why didn't you say get thee behind me? She said, I did, and he told me it looked good back there too. <laughs> Temptation. Now look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my time on this series because y'all need it. But I am. I'm going to take my time on this series. I know it will be a four-week series. It might end up being six. But I want us to get into this a little bit. Because the Bible has a lot to say about how we can overcome temptation. One writer, uh, as I was studying and reading, said it this way. He said, as believers, as Christians... We have an opponent, and that opponent is Satan, and his intention is to harm us. Amen? He said we also have an experience, and that experience is temptation, and it is to humble us. And that is so true, isn't it? When you're tempted, you are humbled. You, you maybe, again, like I said earlier, you feel like you've achieved a certain level, and all of a sudden, temptation comes in in a way you didn't expect, and, and you feel humbled. But he said, we also have a model. We have an example. And his name is Jesus. And he's here to help us in the time of temptation. Amen? And so just take that truth right there, that as believers, we have an opponent. His name's Satan. He wants to harm us. We have an experience, his temptation, and it will humble us. But we have a model. We have an example. His name is Jesus. And don't ever forget he's here to help us. I heard another little story about a man who uh, was trying to train his dog. And uh, he got him one of those uh, horns that you blow. You know, you pull the trigger on it, it blows real loud. And so he would throw out a piece of meat or a piece of bread or something, and you know a dog. Uh, cat's got all kind of attitudes, but a dog goes there and eats it before he even thinks about what it is. He might give it a sniff, but then he's going to eat it up. And, and so he wanted to teach his dog not to do that. And so he'd throw it out there, and uh, when the dog would go there and eat it, he'd blow the horn, beep, real loud, and it would scare the dog. And, and he kept right on doing it, and the dog finally learned that if he wouldn't go over there and eat it, then he wouldn't blow that loud horn in his ear. And he learned that the way to overcome going over there and eating it and not having to hear the horn was to not look at it, but to look right at his master. And he knew that if I keep my eyes on my master, if I'll keep my eyes on my master, then I won't go over there and partake of that temptation. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Do y'all like that song that comes on right before David Jeremiah does his preaching? Turn your eyes upon... Let's sing that at the end, Brother, Brother uh, Thomas, today. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Listen, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Aren't y'all glad I didn't sing that? 
Aren't y'all glad I just quoted it to you? Well, I want to tell you right off the bat that John reveals an essential key in overcoming temptation. He shows us very clearly something we all need to know and understand if we're going to overcome temptation. And it's found in 1 John, that's toward the end of your Bible, right before Revelation. And uh, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16 And I want us to just kind of walk through this verse a little bit because it is packed full of good truth. He says in this verse, for how much? For all. Everybody say it again. All. Everything. Everything in this world. All that is in this world. And here he comes. He's going to give us three categories. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes and the pride of life. All that is in the world, all of the temptations you will face in this world will come under three headings. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. The Bible goes on to say, he goes on to say, John says, these things are not of the Father, but they are of this world. John is saying again, all temptation can be categorized in three categories. Now the reason we know this, and we're going to start into it today, is because Jesus was tempted in three ways when the devil came to Jesus right out of the water baptism. You remember Jesus was baptized. And I mean right out of the water, right out of the water. Uh, We talked about uh, water baptism not long ago. And one of the things I taught you was that the Lord commenced his ministry with water baptism. He started his ministry. The Lord was here 33 and a half years, but the details of his life are the last three and a half years recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so when Jesus came out of the water, and the, the y'all remember the voice of the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Holy Ghost came down at the baptism like a dove and rested upon Jesus or uh, hovered above Jesus. And, and, there, and there's the Son of God, the beautiful Trinity, the voice of the Father, the, the Holy Spirit as a dove, the Son of God in the water. What a monumental event it had to be for it to be um, uh, accentuated by the voice of the Father and the uh, appearance of the dove being the Holy Spirit, the Son of God in the water, being baptized, not because he needed to be baptized. He did not, but he did it as an example to us. And If you're here today and you're saved and you've never been baptized, We need to get you baptized. I gave uh, Ross his official papers this morning. He was baptized and uh, didn't get to give Ross his uh, certificate, but I just handed it to him a while ago. And that certificate, that's not in the Bible, Ross. I don't know if you know, but uh, Jesus didn't get a certificate when he got baptized. We always give one because we want you to remember it's a special day in your life. You're not saved when you're baptized. You're baptized because you got saved. And it's a a public announcement that uh, I'm serving the Lord. I've given my life to the Lord. I'm going to live for the Lord. 
uh, from now on out. And, and all of this uh, happened. Jesus was our example. And listen, this is important. As soon as Jesus came out of the water, the Bible says the Holy Ghost led him into the wilderness. Can I tell you that some of your most difficult times in life will come after some of your highest points, some of your greatest successes, some of your uh, some of the highlights of your lives. You when when you go through through something, you go, man, you know what? This is going to be one of the great highlights of my life. I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm not trying to put you down or get you down. But I want you to know when you're going through those times, brace yourself. Because the enemy will come. He will come at those times to knock you down, to make you doubt, to make you fear, to make you uh, wonder, question, what is God doing? Was I really with the Lord where I thought I was? Uh, He'll do these things. So, So take that as a note today. If you're taking notes, just write something down like, after a high point in my life, get ready. The enemy's going to come and he's going to try to take my joy. He's going to come, he's going to try to discourage me. He's going to try to humiliate me. He's going to try to make me think things that are not true. Get ready. He's coming. But the Bible says here, and I want you to look at this, the lust of the flesh. He mentions that first. Now, the lust of the flesh deals with action. It deals with doing. One of the things Satan tries to get us to do, and always remember, Satan cannot make you sin. He cannot make you sin. As a matter of fact, temptation, and you need to get this, and I'll say it a lot, temptation itself is not a sin. Temptation isn't a sin. How do we know? The Bible says... Jesus was tempted in all points like as we were, yet what? Without sin. Y'all know that verse. Jesus was tempted, yet without sin. Some of you are being tempted and you're letting the devil condemn you because of your temptation, though you didn't yield to the temptation. I'm telling you, we're all tempted. We're all going to be tempted, but temptation isn't a sin. It isn't a sin. The first thing he mentions here is the lust of the flesh. It deals with actions. It deals with doing something. Remember Eve. He he wanted Eve to do something. What was it? He wanted her to partake of the fruit that God had been explicitly clear about. Don't don't do that. Isn't it really something how God is good to us? God goes, anything else you can have. Anything else in the garden you have. I mean, this was a garden that hadn't even been uh, spoiled by sin yet. It had everything. I, one of my favorite things in the world is chocolate-covered cherries. I want y'all to remember that when I have a birthday and Christmas come. But I love me some chocolate-covered cherries. I believe before sin ever touched this world, they hung from trees. I really do. That's something I believe. Now, that's... That's Pharaoh Hardison chapter 8, verse 3. But I'm just telling you, I feel like they were in the garden, in the garden of Eden. <laughs> but he said, You can have anything else you want. You can have anything else you want. Except this. Don't eat this. Don't eat this fruit. 
And uh, what did Satan came in the form of a serpent and said, I want you to do something. So that's what we're talking about here, the lust of the flesh. The next one is the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the eyes deals with having things, possessions. It deals with uh, accumulating things and, and loving temporary things that sparkle and shine. And buy us things that sparkle and shine. The last thing he mentioned is the pride of life. And that deals with being. Where Satan tempts you to be something. And that's the temptation to uh, uh, be a person of, of uh, popularity or, or influence or, or, or power. He wants you to be something. That you're not and that God doesn't want you to be. So I'm telling you that right there, 1 John 2.16, is the foundation of this sermon series. And we're going to see how Jesus was tempted in all three of these areas to build a solid foundation that will help us overcome temptation. Then we have to study what Jesus did when he was tempted. So let's go now, if you will, to the book of Luke And uh, let's go to chapter 4, and I'm going to read all these verses. It's kind of a lengthy uh, passage, but I want to read it. I I, uh, debated whether to read this much or not, but I want to read it because I want you to get it in you. How many of you know we can't have too much word? Amen. uh, the, (laughs) The preacher sometimes might try to do a whole series of sermons in one sermon. He don't need to do that, and... And I know y'all won't say amen, it's fine. Luke 4, verses 1 through 13. Now I want you to look at verse 1. And Jesus being what? Full of the Holy Ghost. And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. High point. High point. Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan where he had just been baptized and was led by the Spirit, wasn't led by the devil. How many of you know God might lead you into a storm? God might lead you into a storm. Now, sometimes I'm in a storm, and it's my fault. Let me just go ahead and be real honest while I'm up here preaching in front of God and everybody. Most of the storms I go to, I caused them. Most of the storms I go through, I caused them. Man, y'all look so holy. But I want to tell you, occasionally God will lead you into a storm. Now, old Jonah, he did that one himself. But in the Bible, there's the story of Jesus and the disciples on the shore. And Jesus knew that there was a storm coming. And he sent the disciples into the storm. And they had done no wrong. Of course, they were imperfect men. But they were not in that storm because of anything they had done. The Lord sent them into the storm. I'm telling you, you're going to get in storms most of the time because you did it. But God's going to send you into some storms. He's going to test you. Whether he sent you into the storm or whether you caused the storm yourself because of your rebellion and disobedience, every storm you go through is a test. Some of you are sitting here right now and you're in a storm. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you about storms. You're either in one, you're coming out of one, or you're about to go in one. (laughs) 
That's how it is in this life. That's how it is in this world. And I love those short, brief times between the storm. But the Bible says any man that is born of woman lives in this world. He's full of, his life is full of trouble. It doesn't matter if you're a believer or unbeliever. We're going to have trouble in this world. So if you're sitting out there thinking you must be doing something wrong because you keep having trouble, hey, join the club. Join the rest of us. We all go through storms. Some, some rougher, some more difficult. I've been through storms some of you all haven't been through. Some of you all have been through storms I haven't been through. But it's a test. Every time we go through a storm, it's a test. But the Bible says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. Now, let me just teach you a little bit about the devil here. Three things about the devil. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. Y'all know that. Um, tell you some other things about the devil, if I can remember it. He's a decided fact. He does exist. Do y'all believe that? Y'all believe the devil's real? He's a, he's a, he's a uh, destructive force. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy, but because of the cross and the empty tomb we focused on last Sunday, he's a defeated foe. Now listen, I don't mean he's going to be. I mean when Jesus come up out of the grave, Satan was defeated right then. Now you can walk in that victory, or you can keep walking in uh, the kind of life uh, that... Uh, uh, celebrates the resurrection of Jesus, but doesn't understand the power of the resurrection of Jesus. What Jesus wants you to understand is that Satan is defeated. He is defeated. When he rose from the dead, Satan was defeated. Now, he's still free to roam and agitate and aggravate and tempt like we're going to be teaching in this series, but you need to understand he's been defeated. Walk in the Lord Jesus. Remember that old dog. Keep your eyes on the Master. Keep your eyes on the master. And when the devil does his thing, you'll have the power to come through it in victory. He says in verse uh, 2, And in those days he did eat nothing. In those 40 days, 40 days and nights, Jesus ate nothing. And I think this next statement is an understatement. And when, he was, when they were ended, he afterward hungered. I would add to that, you think, Forty days and nights with no food, he was hungry. And the devil said unto him, notice the first thing, if, look at that doubt, he's planting doubt with that one little two-letter word. I mean, I'm not sure I believe it, but they say, so, so if you are who you say, who they say you are, if you are the Son of God, then why don't you prove it? Why don't you look down at one of these stones on the ground? And my wife's been to the Holy Land. I've never been there. Uh, see where the uh, blessing lies in our marriage. She's been. I haven't been. I know. She fell in love with the bus driver while she was there. <laughs> if thou be the Son of God, command this stone that... that I don't know if you've seen the stones over there, but they literally look like a little loaf of bread. A lot of the stones that are laying around on the ground look like little pieces of bread or biscuits or, or rolls. And he said, why don't you take this stone 
and turn it into bread. I mean, you're hungry. You've got to be hungry. I mean, you're the Son of God, but you're also the Son of Man. So I know in your humanity, you're hungry. So why don't you prove who you are and let there be no question about it by doing a little trick. By satisfying, come on church, the lust of the flesh. I want you to satisfy the lust of the flesh. I mean, just show everybody, eliminate all doubt, and let everybody know who you really are by giving in to the lust of your flesh. That's the first thing John told us, the lust of the flesh, which deals with doing. I want you to do something. Turn this into bread. Turn this into bread. And he goes on. Verse 4, and Jesus answered him saying, listen to this, I love this. It is what? Written. Where is it written? In the Bible, in the Word of God. Jesus said it is written in the Old Testament. He said it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So the first thing you need to do in battling Satan is know your Bible. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him, Jesus, all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, all this power I will give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore, Jesus, will worship me, if you will worship me, Jesus, then all of these things that I just showed you, it'll be yours. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, there it is, word of God again. He battles with the word of God. If you don't know the word of God, then you've uh, totally eliminated a weapon you got, you've got to have to overcome temptation. And that's why Brother Marcus teaches that new believers class, and it'll be this afternoon at 4.30, is we want you to get some artillery in your belt so that when the attacks come, you can unsheath that sword of the Word. Amen? And you can battle, you can war with Satan. And uh, he said, For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Verse 9. And then he brought, that is the devil brought Jesus to Jerusalem, and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If, notice every single time he questioned whether he was really God or the Son of God. If you're the Son of God, why don't you just jump down? Why don't you just do a swan dive off the pinnacle of this temple? Why don't you cast yourself down from hence or from here? And then Jesus said, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge. Or this is Satan actually quoting scripture here. Satan's quoting scripture. Have you ever had Satan quote scripture to you? He said, don't the Bible say? You ever had Satan, don't the Bible say, I'll tell you this, and we'll get into this a little bit. Lord, he actually does quote a scripture here, except he leaves out a little bit. Can you imagine that? 
Satan just pulled out the part he wanted and left out the important part. And I'll explain that to you later. He said, For you know, Jesus, it is written, He, God, shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. So, I mean, you don't have anything to worry about. I mean, just jump down off the pinnacle of the temple. Everybody's looking. Some of them are trying to decide if they really are going to believe in you or not. I mean, if you jump off the pinnacle of the temple, they're going to, they're going to love it. You're not going to have any more problems getting people to believe in you. Just do this trick. Can I tell you all something? God don't do tricks. God don't do tricks. I know we like to go to big crusades and things where all kind of things are happening up on the stage, and I'm not going to get into that. But I will tell you this. God don't do tricks. God don't do tricks. He's not into, into tricks. He said, cast yourself down from here because the Lord said, verse 10, that he's given his angels charge over you to keep you. He goes on in verse 11. This is Satan still talking. And in their hands, the angels' hands, they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. So, I mean, why, why wouldn't you jump off and prove to everybody who you are? What's Satan doing here? Tempting him. You say, well, you know, Pastor, that really isn't a bad idea. I mean, if Jesus had turned that, that stone into bread, and, and I mean, if, if Jesus had, you know, uh, uh, not bowed down and worshipped, that wouldn't have helped <laughs> worship the devil. That wouldn't have helped him. But if he would turned that stone into bread and he would have jumped off the pinnacle of that temple and everybody would have seen him just land softly on the ground, I mean, they probably there would have probably been a revival. I mean, people would have followed Jesus. You know, there, there wouldn't have been a problem then. But see, that wasn't God's plan. And when God gives you a plan, you don't have an option to step outside of that plan. If you step outside of that plan, the act in and of itself may not be a sin, the thing you do to step outside that plan. But when you violate the plan God has given you to do something, and you violate it and short-circuit it to make it happen quicker, or make it happen in the way you want it to happen. Most of the time we want it to happen quicker. That's why we usually uh, jump out and do something we ought not to do. is because we want things to happen faster. We don't have any patience. And we go, well, if I do that, it's not really a sin if I do that. It is a sin if God's told you that isn't the plan. Are you all with me? And he had told, he, Jesus knew what the plan was. And the plan was not to short circuit God's plan by jumping off the pinnacle of the temple and making everybody go wow and following him. Because see, once Jesus had done that, then they would never follow him again unless he kept doing tricks like that. And unless he would top one trick over the other trick. I know churches like that. I'll be honest with you. I, I pastored a church like that for a little while. I tried to help that church, and they had a thing in their mind that whatever happened this Sunday had to be bigger the next Sunday and bigger the next Sunday. Well, ladies and gentlemen, just come to church and love God and let happen what will happen. You don't have to do some big trick, some big entertainment. And I'm not talking about the bridge either for those of you who wonder about that. I'm talking, well, let me just hush. But I'm talking about a situation I was in where they had to, had to have a bigger entertainment each Sunday. It had to be a bigger entertainment, a bigger show, a bigger act, a bigger whatever it was the Sunday before. It had to be bigger the next Sunday. I'm going to tell you something. You, 
just present Jesus and preach Jesus and love Jesus and worship Jesus and God will draw. He said if, what did he say? If I'm law, if I'm lifted up, what did he say he'd do? I'll draw. I'll draw. I'll draw men and women under me. You don't have to do stuff to draw men and women under me. So when we did rangers and we did uh, gyms, that isn't a little trick or a little show. We're lifting Jesus up. We're lifting Jesus up. That's what we have to ask ourselves. Every time we decide to do something, what are we doing to draw men and women, boys and girls, to Pine Level Church, lifting up Jesus? So when we decide to do something, when we decide to spend a bunch of money or add a building or whatever God would lead this church to do in the future, you've got to always ask yourself, why are we doing this? And the answer always has to be to reach more people for the Lord Jesus Christ. Not to attract a crowd. A big church can be a dead church. And a little church can be a fired up church. Amen? Mm, that was so good, I lost my place. Look at verse um, 11, verse 12. So he just told Jesus, if you'll jump off the pinnacle of the temple, the Lord will, you know, you'll, you'll prove to everybody who you are. God will take care of you. Quoted scripture out of context and left some words out. And Jesus answering said unto him, it is said, and again, that's the same as it is written. He's quoting scripture. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. That, you know what that word means there? In that, it means manipulate, try to manipulate. Try to manipulate. You know, coming to God and saying something like, uh, If you do this by Thursday, God, I'll know it's you. Don't know. No, don't do that. You think you're being spiritual. You're saying, no, man, I'm telling you, I'm going to be real patient till Thursday. That thing that you're wanting that he might give you might be Thursday two years from now. It might not be. It might be Thursday two weeks from now. But you leave the timing in his, his hand. Now, God, if you do that by Tuesday, then I'll know it's your will. Be careful. Be careful. Manipulation. Don't tempt the Lord thy God. Look at verse 13, last verse. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him. Because the devil don't ever leave you to stay. He departed him what? For a season. <laughs> He's like uh, <clears throat> Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'll be back. Some of you get that later. Some of you weren't even here when he said that. So let me close today by talking about a little bit, and we'll pick right up next Sunday, on this lust of the flesh, dealing with actions. So, so the Bible says in Luke 4, 1 through 4, Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost, led by the Spirit, being 40 days tempted of the devil, he did eat nothing, hungered. The devil come and comes and says to him, if you are hungry, and I know you are, why don't you turn this stone into bread? And Jesus said, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Jesus had been fasting 40 days and 40 nights. He was obviously hungry. So Satan tempts him. And I want you to just think about yourself 
He tempts him to do something. One of the ways the devil gets you, and one of the ways the devil gets me, is saying, do something. Do something. How long are you going to let this drag? How long are you going to put up with this? How long are you going to... How long are you going to battle this? Do something. Well, what he's telling you to do is not do it in the spirit, but do it in the flesh. Do it in the flesh. Do something. Take some action. That's what he's telling Jesus here. You don't have to wait. You don't have to be hungry anymore. You're the son of God. You don't have to be hungry another minute. You don't have to go and have some widow woman like Elijah did uh, cook you a biscuit in the oven. You don't even have to wait for it. You can turn that stone into a biscuit right now, hot and warm, soft, coming right. And it's lunchtime, and I'm sorry, I apologize. I know that makes it harder for y'all. But I, we can make you a Bojangles biscuit right now. Right now. But Jesus didn't do it. He said, it is written. The Bible said. The Word of God says that I don't live on that bread. I live on the bread from heaven. I live on the, the bread of the Word of God, God's Word. Now I want you to go from there to Philippians. And let me just give you this little piece, and then we're going to come to the altar. Paul said, Paul wrote uh, Philippians. Of course, it's a letter to the church at Philippi. And he's in chapter 3 of Philippians. And it'll be up on the screen. He, tell, he, he tells us that uh, men have made a God of their flesh. Now, if he said that back then, what about now? He said, men have made a God of their flesh. Now, I'm going to read this out of the King James Version. And then I'm going to read it out of a more modern version. Because when I read it out of the King James Version, y'all are going to say, hmm? What? What? Just listen to this. Listen to how that says it in the King James. And I'm not picking on the King James. I love the King James. But listen. Verse 18. For many walk, of whom I've told you often, and now tell you even weeping. Paul says, I've told you before, and I'm telling you again. I'm weeping while I'm telling you. That they, in other words, the people I'm talking about, are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Now look. If you're an enemy of the cross of Christ, you are doomed. You are doomed. But what Paul's saying is that these people who are an enemy of the cross of Christ are having influence. They want influence in your life. And I'm telling you all this morning, we're dealing with that right now. People who are an enemy of God, an enemy of the cross of Christ, want to run this world. They want to run this world. I posted uh, this week on Facebook, because if I'm not preaching here, I'm usually preaching there, that this girl who would put John 3.16 on all of her emails within her company, she just not, not write it out, just put the reference, John 3.16, and her company told her she could not do that anymore. Now see, you know what my first question is? Can a Muslim write something about their faith? I can answer that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely can. Can a Christian write something about their faith? No, they can't. They're enemies of the cross. These people are enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, can they be saved? Yes, if the gospel gets to them and they believe the gospel, they can be saved. But the Bible says those people are going to always be with us. They're going to always be with us until Jesus comes and sets up his kingdom in, from Jerusalem. 
Now look at verse 19. Whose end, so what is their ultimate end? What do they want ultimately? Whose end is destruction. Whose God is their belly. And that word belly means flesh. Their God is their flesh. They worship their desires. Whatever they want. That desire can be physical. That desire can be for power. That desire can be uh, to, to be able to uh, do to other people anything they want to do to them. But he says, I'm telling you, these people who are enemies of the cross, their God is their flesh. And whose glory is in their shame who mind earthly things. Now let me read this to you out of the New Living Translation. Just so you'll have a clearer understanding. Paul says, For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are those who conduct shows. They put on a show that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. So what he's saying there is if you follow them, that's where you're headed to. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. And that appetite is not just food. Speaking of appetite, I'm feeling mine a little bit right now, so I'm about to quit preaching. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. (laughs) Do we live there? Let me ask you all this question. Are there things in the public now that we're being told that we ought to all be celebrating that just a short time ago were done in the dark and everybody knew it was wrong? I mean, just a short time ago. I mean, it it just feels like to me it's changed in the last dozen years or so that things that used to be in the dark, in a back alley somewhere, hid away, that even if you weren't a Christian, you knew it was rotten. Even if you weren't saved, even if you didn't go to church, you knew it was rotten. You knew it was wrong. You knew it was bad. That now we've come to a place where those things are out in the open and you're told to celebrate it. And if you don't celebrate it, then you're a bad person. You're not a good person. You're a bad person. And if you don't celebrate it, we're going to begin to take things away from you. I mean, we're living there, y'all. We are there. That if you don't celebrate drag whatever they are coming in and celebrating in front of your children or do what and everything and have your children then you're the bad person we're in that world and y'all you know what y'all are scared to say amen because you think i'm talking about something political i'm not talking about political i'm talking about sin i'm talking about right and wrong He said, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, whose, and they mind, in other words, they accentuate, they love earthly things. They're attached to earthly things. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. And then Paul says that this temptation says, if it feels good, If it, if it appeals to your flesh, let all restraints off, cut all cords that hold you back, and go for it. That's the world we live in. 
That is the temptation from the pit of hell to our world today. If it feels good, if you like it, don't you let anybody deny you of your happiness. If you like it and you want it, you go for it. And now what we're seeing happen is churches that used to preach how I'm preaching here today, because I can point them out to you. If you want me to tell you who they are, I'll tell you. I'm not going to stand up here and do it, but I'll tell you if you ask me. That used to believe and preach what we preach are now backing up because they want bigger crowds and they want more money and they want they want to be they want to be uh, superstars. I'm telling you, don't be a part of it. Don't be bitter. Don't be don't be one of these Christians that that is walks around with old sour look on your face. You know. You can have the joy of the Lord and hold on to the truth. You can have the joy of the Lord and live by the standards of God's Word. As a matter of fact, God makes it clear in His Word that if you're right with me, one of the main attributes you're going to have is joy. Joy. The Bible says Jesus was joyful above all others. Isn't that something? So I'm not talking about getting mean and judgmental and bitter. You can live in this old rotten world and you live right and you can exude the joy of the Lord. And I believe this. I believe that's what people are attracted to. I believe they're attracted to supernatural joy that comes from walking with the Lord. Amen? Amen. I tell my wife sometimes I've got a bad attitude today. And then I'll look at her and go, but I'll get straight now. Y'all look, y'all holy. Quit looking so holy. You ever, you ever wake up in the morning and go, what's wrong with me? Something's wrong with me. I, nothing didn't happen last night while I was asleep. Maybe I had a dream and I can't remember and it gave me an old sour attitude. But you don't have to live that way. Amen? Let's all stand, would you? I want us to sing that song and I want us to sing, Brother Thomas, while we're walking up here. You just walk on up here and let's sing that song together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Then the
think about that dog. I got to tell y'all something. Ever since I read that story about that dog, I've been talking to myself. I really am. And when I feel myself going somewhere in my mind where I shouldn't be, not necessarily sinful, but just a, not a good attitude, not a good way to think. Maybe I'm being judgmental or whatever. I just say, Pharaoh, look at the master. Look at the master. Look at the master. Look at the master and you won't go over there and eat that piece of meat. And I mean that in a figurative way. Because I am not a vegetarian. I want y'all to know that. Don't go there and eat that. Don't go there and partake of that thing that you're tempted to go there. Look at the master. Look at the master. Last night I was lying in bed and I was just thinking about some things. And, and I said to myself two or three times, look at the master. I'm going to tell you something. When you, get up, when you get your eyes off the master, the devil will get all up in your head. He will say things to you and he will, what did he do to Jesus? He said, well, yeah, I mean, you're the son of God. I mean, you are, aren't you? I mean, you are, you are. I mean, you say you are, and I've heard some people say you are. I mean, if you are, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Why don't you give in to this, give in to that? Why don't you do it? You deserve it. You're the son of God. I mean, they say you are. Why, why would you go one more minute hungry if you're really the son of God? I'm telling you, the devil will get in your mind. Do you think you're better than Jesus? Anybody here think they're better than Jesus? If the devil will talk to him like that, do you think he's going to talk to you like that? Yes. That person done you wrong. That person hurt you. That person wasn't honest with you. That person. Now, the devil never does come along until he wants to condemn me and point out my wrongs. He always wants to point because I got a bunch of them. I got a bunch of them. Now, several of y'all said amen out loud, and I saw who said it. But I got a bunch of them. But when he wants me to get bitter, he, he just says, you, that was wrong. You got done wrong. You got done wrong. And he'll I don't know about y'all, but he'll take me way back down the road in history and bring me, bring up something way back down the road that I didn't even know or hadn't thought about in a long time, and he'll bring it right back up and put it in your face. Said, Remember when this so-and-so did that to you? He's trying to make you bitter. He's trying to make you angry. He's trying to make you really, you know what he's trying to do? Is ruin your testimony. Because if your testimony gets messed up, you can't lead people to Jesus. And that's what he's really trying to stop, is you being able to lead somebody to Jesus. We're going to dissect this scripture over the next few Sundays. I'm going to tell you, and I look, the devil's going to attack me. He's going to attack me. So I need y'all to pray for him. Will y'all pray for me during this sermon series? He's going to attack me, but we're going to look at it. We're going to look at this thing, and we're going to get in it. We're going to dig down in it, and we're going to, we're going to uncover that uh, old slew foot. We're going, to, we're going to uncover his plan. We're going to uncover how he works. And you know what? When we uncover it and we know it, we're going to be held responsible to whether or not we give into it. Amen? And I probably won't preach anything you don't already know. I probably won't preach anything you haven't already experienced. But but the Bible talks about stirring up, stirring up stuff that maybe settled down and we don't think about it much. We need to get that stirred back up. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Have y'all ever drunk some orange juice and all the good stuff settled down to the bottom? 
and you don't shake it up and you drink it, you go, that's terrible. You got to get that stuff stirred up in there, then it gets better, don't it? Man, I've got so many good illustrations today. So many. But y'all have heard the word of God. I've heard the word of God. Now let's go out here and let's recognize that old rascal when he tries to get in our head mess us up, take our joy away. Amen. Lord, we know you are greater. We know you are stronger. We know that he is nothing to you. Satan is nothing to you. And we know, God, that if we will surrender to you, we can overcome him. Let me say it again. If we will surrender more to you, we can overcome him. We can overcome his attacks. We can overcome his plans. We can overcome his influence. But we've got to be close to you. We've got to be intimate with you. Lord, challenge us every day in the name of Jesus. Remember that old dog. Look at the master. Look at the master. Look at the master. Look at the master. Get your eyes off that temptation and look at the master. Let's sing it some more, Brother Tom. Sing it a couple times more. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. Then the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. Then the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His Let's glory. praise the Lord. Everybody just praise Him. Lord, we praise You. We thank You. We magnify You as we exit today, Lord. We glorify your name above every name. And we know that uh, the enemy is not just waiting for us when we step outside this building. He will attack us even in this building. So God, let this word be in us today. Let it begin and be in me, Lord, as the pastor, that we might overcome the strategies of the enemy, the devices of the devil. The Bible calls it the devices of the devil. Help us, help us to live close to you that we might recognize him and that we might counterpunch him and that we might live in victory in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Now tonight we're going to talk some more about who Jesus is. That's what we're talking about on Sunday night as we talk about what we believe. What do we believe about Jesus? Tonight is six. God bless you. The Pine Level Pentecostal Church Incorporated, copyright 2023.